Ostrand, your New York City-based podcast host. I was lucky enough to have a conversation with dancer and choreographer Matthew Rushing, whose work with the Alvin Ailey Dance Company since 1992 has given rise to incredible performances and new works, such as Odetta and Uptown, both of which he choreographed. Because the Project Room's current question is how are we remembered, I was eager to chat with Matthew about what makes Alvin Ailey's work so enduring and how Matthew views his role in carrying on this important legacy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being here to talk to me about your work. Um, maybe we should get started um, at the beginning or where the beginning is for you. Can you tell us how you were introduced to dance? Were you, were you a youth, a young child? How did that come about for you? It's funny uh, because I do a lot of these interviews, I find myself just repeating the same thing. And recently I had an interview and the question was, what was my earliest memory of me dancing? And that took me back even further. My first introduction to dance was actually my mother enrolling me in a program at UCLA. I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. And she put me in, I don't know, I don't remember the name of the program or the title of the program, but she enrolled me in this program because I was so quiet as a child. I was extremely shy. And she wanted me basically to be a little bit more expressive and it, it was. I remember she was telling me it was to the point where she thought something was wrong. So she enrolled me in this program just to see how I would respond to it. And within the program, there was creative movement. Uh, I only thing I remember of my teacher, uh, her name was Kate, and she was a white woman. And um, I really, really loved her mm -hmm. as as a person. Like even I was like around five or six, but I remember having this affection for this woman and trusting her for some reason. Um, and I felt so comfortable around her. And so I guess that led me into being expressive. Uh, Kate saw potential and actually approached my mother and asked, can she take me to a dance concert? And I think it was at the Hollywood Bowl. Hmm. Um, I remember it being outdoors. How uh, old were you at this time? I was like around six, six or seven. Okay. I I, I'm really guessing. Um, but I just remember I was extremely young. I remember seeing pictures and I was extremely young. And uh, I went to, Kate took me to the um, performance. And I remember not really understanding what I was seeing, but really enjoying it and having some kind of connection. That's the only thing I can explain. I came back just beaming and telling my mother I had a great time. Um, but then I, for some reason, I don't remember why, that ended. For some reason, the classes ended. Uh, I didn't pursue dance, and then life went on. Then uh, it got to a point where I grew older, and like I said, I came from Los Angeles, and there was a lot of uh, gang violence, and my brothers was also involved in um, all of that, and my mother basically kind of wanted to keep me away from it, so again, she put me in an after-school program. Mm -hmm. And this program, I remember, was affiliated with um, the Parks and Recreation in Inglewood, California, at Centinella Park. And uh, there was a director of the program, Cepheus Jackson, and he had, he actually, uh, we, we took all these classes at what he called the Inglewood Playhouse. It was actual uh, community theater in the middle of the park. And so after school or even during the summer, a group of kids, uh, we would learn plays and uh, we had dance 
uh, dance classes. We had vocal lessons. We even had writing. Um, we had lessons in playwriting as well. So huh. it wow. was really interesting. Um, and I think at that point we were like maybe 12 or 13. And um, looking back, I see how uh, amazing the program was because he not only planted a seed of creativity, um, he inspired us to be focused in a sense. Like we had a passion other than uh, movies and, you know, um, things that mainly, mainly young people are passionate mm. about. And uh, so from there, that's where I found my love for dance. And not only did I find a love for dance, it was directly connected to theater. Because we had the musicals and the plays, I didn't really separate the two. I saw dance part of theater and theater part of dance. So um, that was my first introduction. That's when I saw, that's when I realized I really enjoyed this and I was good at it. Hmm. Uh, my mother also saw this, and of course, instructors continually came up to her saying, Look, this is something that you should really invest in and look into and see if he really has an interest in this. So we ended up at a performance of the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. My mother took me to the Wilton Theater, and uh, of course, the performance was sold out. There was a scalper in front of the uh, theater who had two tickets, one seated in the first row and the other one in the balcony. My mother took the seat in the balcony and she gave me the seat in the front row. And um, so I experienced uh, the Ailey Company by myself Wow! in the first row. And I remember the two pieces. uh, I only remember two pieces. And it was Cry, choreographed by Mr. Ailey, a solo for a woman, and Revelations. The other pieces, for some reason, I don't remember. Um, And I remember having uh, these experiences, these aha moments that, oh my gosh, this is what I'm seeing on stage are parts of my own life. Uh, When I saw Cry, I just saw images of my mother. I remember seeing images of my grandmother, um, but it was on stage being danced. I had no idea that that was possible. Then Revelations came on, and um, I was raised in a very um, religious background, grew up in the church, and so it really, it really struck me that, uh, once again, I was seeing my personal life danced on stage, uh, weighed in the water, I had recently been baptized. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, it, it was amazing, um, rocking my soul in the bosom of, ha- of Abraham, seeing these men dressed in, you know, in the vests and the women in the hats. I didn't grow up in a Baptist church, but I got it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I, it just blew me away. And at that point, I think that's when it hit me that I decided I wanted to be uh, not only a dancer, but I wanted to be a dancer in the Ailey Company. Mm. As I look back, I'm so glad that uh, it happened in that order, that my introduction to dance was through joy and, and passion. Then I learned the discipline of it and the technique of it. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Also, you had a really good experience with a teacher. It seems like having exactly. having a good experience with a teacher is also a good thing to happen early on exactly. as, as part of the joyful aspect exactly. of it. Yeah. And there was a certain support that was also important. The teacher that I had, her name was Ruth Ashton Blake. She was like a second mother. And if you talk to a lot of dancers... Um, the dance teachers that meant a lot to them meant a lot to them or uh, meant a lot to their uh, progression as artists. They were like parents. They, there was this close connection 
that, um, once again, I talk about the trust. Like, even when I was little, when I spoke about Kate, there was this woman that I trusted, and I felt like it was okay for me to express. And throughout my whole career, I look back, I realized, like, actually right now, I realized that all my teachers, uh, there was this really close connection. Mm, that's powerful. And, and I imagine now that you have, are on the other side of that in many cases. How, do you think there is a particular quality that a really excellent dance teacher possesses? What do you think is the, are the most important things there? Uh, it's so funny you ask this because I, three years ago, I was recently appointed to be the rehearsal director for the Ailey Company by Miss Jamison. And um, it, was, it was challenging, and it still is challenging, because up until then, um, I think I had been dancing with the company for 20 years, so that was my focus. Uh, of course, I did a lot of teaching, um, school systems, master classes at the Ailey School, uh, did some choreography, so I knew how it felt to be in the front of, front of the room and passing on information. But um, as rehearsal director, I found out that it had nothing, well, I'm not going to say nothing. It had little to do with remembering steps or, oh, you know what I'm saying, yeah. or, or orchestrating or, you know, giving people notes. It had a lot to do with people skills. I had to learn how to talk and communicate to people on separate levels. I had to first find out what kind of um, personalities they were. Were they, were they people who um, needed needed um, the hard brass truth mm -hmm. or were there people who who I needed to kind of like stroke them before I mm -hmm. give them a note or you know um, and then I had to find the best way to get them um, to understand and then to execute the note that I'm giving so um, uh, you have created a piece called Odetta um, honoring the singer Odetta Holmes and there's wonderful video on the Alvin Ailey website um, talking about the process. Um, how, how does that really work, taking something from its initial idea um, into actually manifesting it into something physical? How does that work for someone who's not a dancer? How are you um, making this come, come to life? That process of creating something, I think is one of the most fulfilling and challenging experiences that I... Um, that I've uh, gone through in my um, professional career. It's totally different from being a dancer where you still have to be creative, but it's different. Usually there's someone in the front of the room, choreographer, director, and they give you images and you have to be creative enough to articulate those things through movement. Can you give an example? Sure, uh, say if a, dance, if a choreographer gives you a step and what you, one arm raises up to the front, uh, say your right arm goes up and your left arm goes up and bring both arms down. That's the step, Those, that's the choreography. Then he or she will say, I need you to communicate power and then I need you to suppress the world as you bring your arms down. So you're like, okay. <laughs> so the arms coming up has to be, you know, they have to be presented in a certain way, in a certain fashion that you feel, you know, authority and you feel power and might. So maybe you have to illustrate that through the way you carry your torso. And then when you press, bring the arms down, there has to be, you have to be creative enough to have ideas. Okay, what does suppression look like? What does, um, um, how can I use my arms and the, um, what would you call it, the musculature? How can I communicate all that? So you have to take the basic steps 
then take the image the choreographer gives and then you as a creative person has to basically make that manifest. Right, that's where the artistry really happens, that's where I would the artistry imagine. Really happens. <clears throat> wow. Uh, I can give you an example of Revelations in which Wade in the Water. Uh, that ballet, that section, is about a baptismal. And the idea is that uh, there's a young couple, uh, from what I understand, brother and sister. The young female is actually being baptized. The male is there, the brother is there for support. And as they um, go to the ceremony, it's supposed to take place by the riverside. And they act at one point, they're um, supposed to step into the water and then they get baptized. And that's how Mr. Ailey portrayed a baptismal. So our idea is to, once we get into the water, we're not only supposed to take on uh, the feeling of the arm uh, of water, we're supposed to articulate how water moves. How, how does a human articulate something that is not human? Mm-hmm. So that, that's how the porter bra came, um, that's where the porter bra came from. When I say porter bra, that means the movement of the arm. Okay. And the arm basically almost undulates like it's water. So you have to have a clear idea of how water moves, and then you have to be able to articulate your limbs in a way that it looks like there's no bones and it's just look like water flows from your shoulder socket down to your wrist. There's certain ideas that we can express through the understanding of how we use our body. So that's a responsibility that maybe a dancer may have to take this something, um, something that's not human and uh, something that's not human like water and through our human bodies kind of articulate the movement of it. Mm-hmm. And can you talk a little bit about um, performing works over and over such as, as revelations and how they might change or how they're intended not to change and what the important things are that remain? Well, for a ballet like Revelations that's been performed so often, uh, it was choreographed in 1960. So it has been performed since then. Uh, it, what's important is that the vision remains. Mr. Mr. Ailey had uh, a vision, and he called it his blood memories, meaning his memories of him growing up in Rogers, Texas. So these are memories of him going to church with his mother, seeing people go by the riverside to be baptized, seeing the women walk into church with huge hats and fans because there's no air conditioning in the, in the, um, in the church, uh, see the woman gossiping over in the corner. So all those things uh, were kind of, he kept those memories and he turned them into a ballet, basically. Uh, so that has to remain. Mm-hmm. That's the lifeline of the ballet. So an example of how an artist may interpret something different uh, without changing the choreography, without changing the vision. Say, uh, we'll stick with Revelations. Uh, Ballet Fix Me Jesus, the section Fix Me Jesus that comes from Revelations is about a woman who is basically praying to God or an angel. So it's a duet, it's a woman, and then there's usually a taller man like towering over her and this man is supposed to represent maybe an angel or a god. Mm. And so the section is basically a prayer. Uh, the choreography is based, is very simple. She bends over and she kneels. Um, and then the guy is over her, kind of like towering over her. Um, the idea is each person has a different experience. So I may have, I may not 
have a, a Christian background or a Baptist background, say if I'm a Buddhist, then I can't just step into how a person would feel when they're praying to God or an mm-hmm. angel if that's not the way I function. For me, I have to take my own experiences um, and, and, and how I may um, participate in meditation and prayer, and I take those ideas and I bring those ideas to the movement. Mm-hmm. So if once I'm, if I have to bend over and kneel in, in, in a, in a uh, posture of prayer, I have to directly um, connect it to my own personal life sensations. Uh, it's not something that I have to imitate someone or uh, imitate an idea that I'm not connected to. Uh, it's very important that I have to rely up upon my own experiences and bring those experiences and sensations to the choreography. That's so interesting um, because you're talking about kind of a balance between an intellectual and an emotional process, which is exactly what I thought was happening in the audience when I was at a recent performance. And I wanted to ask you about that. It seemed that people were really moved by the performance and there was a very big reaction afterwards and a standing ovation. And I wondered what you think that magic is that can create that sort of simultaneous intellectual appreciation for the artistry itself, but then also this really personal emotional response that I saw happening around me that I certainly felt as well. And maybe it is going back to that early experience you had in the front row. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's really? Exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. There's something about accessibility mm. when, and I'm not saying that everything has to be so literal that you're spoon fed, but there's something about as an audience member being able to connect to um, understand or receive what's being uh, performed on stage and what's being communicated on stage. For me, I, it was me seeing my own, um, my own experiences uh, being performed on stage within the church. Uh, maybe someone else who have never, who's never had an experience in the church still may see the idea of hope still mm-hmm. may see the idea of seeking for something, seeking something that is larger than you. At the end of um, Revelations, it's rocking my soul in the bosom of Abraham. I would say the majority of audiences don't even know what, understand what the song means. Mm. But there's something about joy that we all understand. There's something about perseverance, no matter what the struggle may be, getting through that that um, storm and coming out on the other end in victory mm-hmm. that we all kind of understand. There's something about um, the uh, the joy of life that we all understand and we can relate to. So my daughter, who's seven, was with me in the audience. Um, and we've gone to a lot of shows before. This was the first time she was literally on the edge of her seat just completely transfixed the entire time and she wanted me to ask you a couple of questions (laughs) and they're fitting because we're talking about legacy in a way Um, one of her questions is are you going to keep performing revelations until I'm a grown up so I can perform it oh my (laughs) gosh that's amazing Uh, and you know what that's what it's about I think that's right now this is where I am uh I'm I'm really questioning myself about how I feel about uh, contemporary dance 
versus what we feel as um, classic modern tradition dance. I'm a fan of both, uh, and I think they're both very important. Uh, but I'm understanding right now more the importance of having the classics. Not only having the classics, but also having new work based on our history. So it's new work that talks about old things. And it's something that, once again, there's that accessibility. When I created the ballet Odetta, mm. Uh, that was one of the things that I heard over and over again. That oh my gosh, thank you for, um, thank you for bringing back Odetta. Thank you for reminding me of her music. Uh, and then I heard from the younger generation, oh my gosh, I didn't know about this woman. I love her music. Where can I find more of her music? She reminds me of this. She makes me think of this. Um, there's there's this. Uh, that word again, accessibility, that brings everybody together, both young mm -hmm. and old. Mm -hmm. And when, you, when you're able to see something on stage, maybe see a story, or maybe see an experience that you've had in your past based on history, whether it be a historic figure or a musician um, who was very popular in the past, there's something about that it, 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 it connects everybody together, you understand it, you're, you're, um, you're, um, I think you're filled with whatever emotion is being presented. Odetta spoke a lot about um, prison songs and work songs and, and she was involved in protest music. Uh, so all those emotions come back um, to the audience members and you're reminded of the old and the new, the struggle and the joy and the perseverance and the endurance and all those emotions are real. And sometimes we need to be reminded and, you know, reminded of what's real. Now I'm going to contemporary. In a lot of contemporary work, we deal with abstract ideas. So sometimes maybe my grandmother would come to the theater and she wouldn't know what's going on. <laughs> Does that mean it's not valid? No, that's how we educate our audiences and we, and we push them to be more creative. We push them to collaborate with the dancers. If you see images, almost like you go, you go to the museum, you see art and, and, and you have to take a moment to, to um, digest it and see what comes out. You have to take a moment and just stare and stare and see what speaks to you. Um, in this time, we don't want to take that moment. Everything has to be immediate. So I think it's so great that we have those things, but I just feel that needs to be balanced. Mm -hmm. That even in the abstract, that sometimes we can speak on things that has happened in the past. Uh, even um, not being afraid to just be classic and do those old works that have been choreographed since the 50s and mm -hmm. the 40s, reminding people where we came from. Um, I just think it's important that uh, there's a there's a great balance. Mm -hmm. It seems to me, well, it doesn't seem to me, it's fairly obvious that music is a really important part of the choreography for Alvin Ailey. How does that, um, what is that relationship between the music and the dance? Is, it, is there um, a process in which the music sparks an idea or does the dance come first? Or does it, does it, just depend on what exactly the project is? Not only the project, but it also depends upon the uh, choreographer. Mm. Some choreographers start off with ideas, no music at all, or they start off with something that they want to say, and then all the pieces kind of come together and assemble in the process. Mm -hmm. um, 
I like to start off with music. Music really inspires me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's difficult for me to start without the music. Really? Uh, okay. So when Mr. Battle, uh, the artistic director of the Ailey Company, Robert Battle, approached me with Odetta, it's the, it, Odetta was not my idea. It was his idea. He had recently um, went to her memorial service not too long ago. And when he was in the service, uh, he said to himself, you know what, this would make a great ballet using this woman's music. And then later on, the actual time came around where he approached me and said, so hey, what do you think about this? And I, I you know, definitely uh, loved the idea and uh, kind of like tackled it and, um, and found out that her music uh, was so massive uh, her work of music was so massive. Like I said, she did the prison work songs. Um, not only did she did protest music, but she also did the traditional folk music as well. She also did children's songs. So when I did, when I started off with the choreography, I literally took a couple of months in just listening to all of her music, and then deciding, okay, which pieces of music really inspire me, mm-hmm. and then I kind of put those together. Mm-hmm. Um, so music for me. It's very important, and it usually always comes first. But for each choreographer, it's it's different. It's a beautiful thing because you're also honoring the legacy of the musician, yes, yes. as well as the legacy of Alvin Ailey and mm-hmm. any of the other ideas that are mm-hmm. in the work. And it's also interesting. Uh, the Ailey Company. Uh, I would speak on Mr. Ailey himself. When you look at his work, uh, he also seemed to be a choreographer that was inspired and motivated by music first. You think about. Um, a lot of his work that was uh, in which he collaborated with Duke Ellington uh, that had mm-hmm. to be inspired by the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did works on um, musicians. He did a piece called For Bird With Love that was um, based on the life of Charlie Parker. So he used a lot of his uh, music. He did a piece um, by the music of um, Hugh Masekela called mm-hmm. Masekela Langage. So he definitely was inspired by music as well. Mm. What do you think are the most important parts of Ailey's legacy that are remembered and held on and continued for the next generation? I think the, the most important part of his legacy that needs to be remembered is um, giving tribute to um, our history. That seems to be a reoccurring theme in his work. And um, he has a mantra that we always um, repeat uh, dance came from the people, and it should be delivered back to the people. And how? And we—I've had years to think about that, and it, it says so much. Dance came from the people, and you think about traditions, you think about um, uh, folk dances, and you think about um, storytelling. You think about passing on information from generation to generation. Uh, dance came from the people and it should be delivered back to the people. So that means dance in deli- delivering it back to the people, I have to involve all people. Those who are educated, those who are not. Those who have been exposed to dance, those who haven't been exposed to dance. Um, we have to bring dance back to the people in a way that we're versatile. And diverse. We can't just concentrate on one genre, one culture. Even though Ailey is a predominantly African-American dance company, um, Mr. Ailey himself, I just got to be watching a documentary um, on Car- Carmen de Lavalade, 
And Carmen de la Vallade is a huge, um, basically, uh, 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 what I call a supernova in, um, <laughs> in, in the arts. She was the woman who actually introduced Mr. Ailey to dance. Oh. And also introduced him to Lester Horton, who was Mr. Ailey's mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, all this happened in Los Angeles. Lester Horton was a white man who started a company in Los Angeles that was based on different cultures, um, Hispanic, East Indian, um, African-American. He actually dove into other cultures and built Asian, uh, Asian, uh, I wouldn't say Asian-American, I would just say Asian culture. But he built all of his dance work off of different cultures and also introduced Mr. Ailey to Duke Ellington as well. So can you imagine we think of the Ailey Company as a predominantly African-American dance company, but the founder himself was influenced by a white man who was influenced by different cultures. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I think that's amazing. I think that's why diversity is so important. Mm -hmm. Dance came from the people. All people, mm-hmm. all races, all colors, and it should be delivered back to the people. Um, I guess I just have one final question, and that's um, your role in all this and how, um, how you would like your work to be remembered. Do you think about that? Does it come into play, or would it be terribly distracting to, no, <laughs> to walk around with that question in your head all day long? <laughs> no, that's a great question, and I might ramble on this one, but um, that's a great question because... One, let me start off with this, and I have to remember the question so I don't get sidetracked, <laughs> that I'm in, a, I'm in a position where I'm not comfortable in uh, the craft of choreography. Um, even a few years ago, I would, I would correct people and let them know that I don't consider myself a choreographer yet. And I say that because um, in my time with the Ailey Company, I have worked with masters. I have worked with geniuses. So it's hard to put myself in that category. I'm always grabbing and chasing, you know, this standard and this level that I want to be at. So um, all that being said, I do feel I have a responsibility. I've been given opportunities and I don't want to miss out on them. So mm-hmm. I do, I, uh, if something is presented to me, I will take it and I'll do my best, hoping that I will learn and get closer to the, um, the level that I attain to. But in that responsibility, I'm finding out that my position is being one of those people who comment on the past. I'm really finding that I love resource and material and ideas that come from our history. And because I do not come from that time, and because I am right now, I'm I'm a choreographer, dancer, person, human artist who is living in current times, I feel I will have a more contemporary outlook or, or, or voice to add to our history and maybe that combination creates that balance I talked about um, I uh, the last two ballets I choreographed for the Ailey Company, Odetta was about of course um, Odetta Holmes who came from our history and I choreographed a piece called Uptown that was based on the Harlem Renaissance. Both of these ballets I felt kind of fell into my lap out of ignorance. I didn't know who Odetta Holmes was when Mr. Battle um, approached me. I actually pretended I did when he asked me. <laughs> he asked me. We've all know, done something right, like that. Right? Yeah. I was like, oh, sure, I know who Odetta was. That's and a I great went, idea. I went straight to my phone and Googled her. <laughs> and, <was> like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is, this is who she is. Um, and then so Harlem Renaissance, of course, I, I, I read about it in school and I, 
you know, <clears throat> lightly touched upon it, um, even in my own, you know, reading and studying all that stuff. But when I actually took a moment to dive into the material, I was blown away. And not only was I blown away, I felt that I, um, I gained more confidence about who I was because I understood the people that I came from. And I think that we should continue doing that. I would like to continue doing this, choreographing pieces that are based on our um, history. And I don't want to, I don't want to just leave it to um, my own culture. I don't think. Um, I think I have to just wait to see what um, what projects come to me. But like as of now, um, I'm currently working with uh, Yale Dance Theater, and because I was inspired by Odetta and learning about the folk tradition. I'm doing a piece about the folk tradition, uh, folk music. Uh, so when you talk about folk music, it's not just one culture. We're talking about many cultures coming together to create another culture. So, but still, it's about the past. I love learning and creating about the past and commenting in it, commenting on it in a contemporary voice. Well, I certainly look forward to seeing what you keep making as things continue, it sounds like you really um, have honed in on your artistic voice and your vision, and it's really exciting to talk to you about it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Very Thank much. you. <laughs>